Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily Digest. I'm Ben Olson, that's Nathan Fox. Together we're the founders of LSATdemon.com and our weekly podcast, Thinking LSAT. Here's what we talked about this week. Hey there, welcome to the LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Matt Dumont, an LSAT teacher and tutor at the LSAT Demon and a 3L at the University of Maryland. With me is Paige Gillard, and she is a recent Demon student and law school acceptee. <laughs> how are you doing, Paige? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on the show and talking about your LSAT journey. So um, I introduced you as a law school acceptee. Do you want to clarify what that means? Yeah, um, I applied to a decent amount of law schools um, like a month or two ago, and I've been accepted to four so far. So I need, at least I know I'll be going somewhere. <laughs> awesome. So for those of you who, uh, who are um, sort of on your own journey, applying early in the cycle, like before Christmas time, your Christmas presents or your holiday presents might be some law school acceptances with some good scholarships, question mark. We, couple we got some... full rides, couple more than half. So Awesome. So Paige did it right. She applied early in the cycle and already has full tuition scholarships. So you can, you know, everyone has different priorities and we sort of, we certainly recommend, you know, don't pay for law school, go to law school for free. You have that option. How does that feel? It's crazy. When I first saw the, the first one was a full ride and I didn't expect it at all. I didn't even think I'd hear anything. And I was like, whoa, I can already go for free. It's just such a relief to be able to know that I don't have to go into debt if I choose to. Like everyone's circumstances are different, but it saves me a lot of uh, stress already in the long process of the emissions cycle. So Amazing. And you can use those full rides to neg potentially negotiate with some competitive schools that might not have, which is always, of course, part of the game. So great. Congratulations on your acceptances already and some full rides and your awesome scholarships. I'm sure you're going to kill it out there. But we want to talk about how you got to that point. How did you get those scholarships? And so I want to ask about your LSAT journey. That's what we're here to, to talk about today is your LSAT journey. Where did you start from? Where did you end up? Let's get some big picture um, uh, sort of framing for that. Yeah. So I started back in December of 2021. I was like, oh, I should start studying for the LSAT. Thought it was going to be like a three month process. <laughs> it was way longer than that. I took a cold diagnostic. It was 134. Okay. So it was very, uh, I was disappointed, but can't do much about it. Just study from there. Yep. It's, it's where you start, right? It's not where you end up. That's just where you start. And, and it's like the starting point of your journey. It's the trailhead, if you will. You get to decide how far along the trail you go. 134, we've seen people make huge improvements from that. So where did you end up? Yeah, so I studied, uh, I didn't even start studying until like the end of February. So I was like, eh, I have time. So I put it off, study, started studying. I was with a different prep company for four months. Okay, and then they I took shall the go June... unnamed. <laughs> yeah, I took the June test. I got a 159. Hey, I was ready. That's huge, right? 134 to 159, what is that, 25 points? I'm not good at math. That's already amazing, right? Like that's a huge improvement, but you continued studying because you got hungry. Where did you go from there? Yeah, I took September after I studied all summer. I started with the demon immediately, like after I got my June score. And then I did demon live for the whole time until September. 
Chuck okay. September got 169. And I was like, amazing. Super happy. That was uh that was a very good score. That was higher also for people wondering, that was higher than any of my practice tests up to that point. So okay. unexpected. I didn't think I would even get that. My highest practice test before that was a 167. Amazing. So 134 to a 169. Uh, again, my math is a little rusty, but that seems like a amazing 35 point improvement and just like astronomically different. Like if you had rolled into test day, which some people do without studying at all, got a 134, 135, one, any, anywhere in the 130s, the likelihood of you going to law school is zero. Like not to any place, like maybe the worst law school in the country and you're going to pay full price. You're a 169. You're applicable to like the best law schools in the country you can apply did you apply to any of the the schools in the top 14 i did i applied to berkeley um okay. uva um michigan okay and that's pretty much it i think <laughs> those are the things i wanted to go to <laughs> amazing but like that's not like guaranteed by any respect but that's a potential school for you now because you've made this life-changing improvement that's Phenomenal. So in about, uh, you said you started studying in February, you took the September LSAT. That was the one you got um, a 169 on. So uh, again, seven, eight months around in there and 35 points of improvement. That's amazing. So what helped you in your studies? Like tell, uh, tell the listeners, you know, what, what, what guided you through? Um, uh, what was particularly helpful? Um, you mentioned that you came over to the demon. We're super thrilled that you studied with us. We're super thrilled that you went up an additional 10 points. Some people would stop at 159. You were like, no, I know there's more in the tank. So what got you um, all the way up? Yeah. So after I got my 159, I was like happy, but I knew that if I wanted to go to the schools I was aiming for, I had to do more. With my previous company, it was a lot of formal, like technical diagrams and mm -hmm. things like that. And I could not break into the 160s. Like just, I couldn't do it. I tried, but then I started with Demon. And the one thing that made me really realize is everything is just common sense. Like read the words, like the Demon really preaches that it's like, read the words and what do they say? Right. Mm -hmm. Before I was like reading the words, but I wasn't even using my brain or my English to know what they were saying. So that is one big, big thing is just reading them and actually understanding like from your experience in your life is like, what does this sentence say? And what do you think it means? Yep. And from there, everything just kind of changed my whole studying just kind of bounced off into making more sense of especially logical reasoning and reading comp. Sure. The games were always my best section. So you're specifically, um, Matt, shout out his demon classes for logic games and circle slash. If anyone doesn't know what circle slash is, it's like for an in and out type of game. If you classify games, but at the demon, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> We could we could talk about game types sort of like casually, but like every game is a little unique. So like, eh, how much does that help you? And in out games are just a sort of special version of two group games, all that fun stuff. So um, that that's awesome. The so uh, what uh, you said games are your strong point. I love that. I'm such a game of fictionado. Um, what was helpful for you there? 
learning how to do worlds and actually doing worlds on every single every single problem I came across and slowing down. Like, it, especially in every single section, slowing down before I'd race the clock. I'd always have the timer on and I'd race the clock until, to get every question done. And I stopped doing that. And I would only get to like game three, but I mm. drastically saw my accuracy start going up. And then that's how I pushed my way into the 160s is by not even finishing the section. Like yeah. just getting questions one through 15, like hundred percent correct. Right. Yep. Yeah. Stringing off long strings of correct answers. You're not going to get 15 in a row by luck. Like that's, you got it by understanding. And then you're building the foundation to tomorrow. Maybe you get to question 16 and get one through 16. Correct. Super awesome. So, um, I'm going to ask on your, uh, test attempt that you got a 169 on, did you finish the test that day? I did not finish reading comp. I finished games and I knew I can, you can kind of tell if you like got all the games, right? So right. I knew I got zero in games and I LR, I felt pretty good, but I didn't finish reading comp. I left the last like four questions. Just, okay. I clicked answers. <laughs> yeah. So of course, bubble in answers for the ones you don't get, get, uh, get to, but for anybody who's like in the one sixties or one fifties, and you're going, hey, how do I get to the high 160s or the 170s? How do I push into there? You can get there and you should get there without finishing the test. Finishing the test can actually be super harmful because you're speeding through the low hanging fruit and potentially missing some of those easy ones instead of and, and then instead getting to the hard ones at the end and, you know, struggling on those potentially too. why leave the long, the, the low hanging fruit unpicked? I love that. That's super awesome. So um, what felt different on the day that you scored above your best ever? That's amazing. I really took my time and every, and I didn't worry about the clock. That's one big thing. I, my first attempt in June, I was so stressed out about finishing, about getting answers right. I was overthinking them. I reread questions and you shouldn't do that. You should read it so enough the first time that you don't have to reread it. So yep. that was something I practice continuously over the summer is just rereading the reading comp sentence. Oh, I didn't get it. Oh, I don't know if I have time to reread it. No, go back reread it and just slow down. Right. Like I, even in the actual September test, I slowed down and I took so much time on the first reading comp passage, but I knew I felt good. I felt like I got hundred percent of them. Right. So then I could move on with ease and everything just felt more comfortable instead of like rushing through and being worried and having anxiety about the questions that I might not have understood because I was going so fast. Right. So you continued doing what was successful for you getting into the one sixties and you just continue doing that. And you know, maybe there's some luck of the draw there that it like spoke like the, the, maybe the hardest section for that test was games and you killed it anyway. So there's, some f good fortune maybe, but realistically what paid off was understanding the stuff and doing the right amount for Paige. That's so awesome. That's so, that's so thrilling. I'm going to ask the question, 169, super awesome, 35 points already. Do you want to be the first person to tell us that you got 40 points of improvement? Is there any more uh, attempts in the tank? I took, so I did take November actually. Okay. I took November and I was really feeling good. I was like, oh, I did it. I can do it. <laughs> I got a 169 again, which okay. I'm super happy with same score. Like even if it was lower, it's still fine because 
schools care about your best score. So I wasn't worried, <sighs> disappointed, but I sure. decided to apply. I applied like immediately after I got that score. Cause sure. I knew I wanted to apply this cycle. And I was like, if the 169 happened, if the 170 something happens for me in November, then that's amazing. But I'm also happy, like really happy with my 169. Cause I never knew that I would, I could even get that score Sure. after like the long seven, eight months of studying. So I, uh, yeah, maybe a little tiny bit of regret, not <laughs> trying again, but I'm still happy. I'm still happy. <laughs> no, you should be. And I'm not asking for regret. I'm asking for, uh, whether, whether you're greedy. Um, did you score above 169 on some of those practice tests leading up to November? Only two. I got a 171 twice. Okay. So it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Possible, but I get like, hey, this was in or maybe at like your sort of wheelhouse, which makes sense. Um, that's phenomenal. Congratulations again. Um, so uh, you mentioned some demon stuff. Uh, it, you, you were um, one of our live subscribers. So we got to see you in classes, which is amazing. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Worlds. Worlds is by far, of course, uh, uh, the most efficient way to do the logic games. You can know you got everything perfect, which is phenomenal. Any um, uh, demon stuff in LR or reading comp that you want to point people towards? Yeah, um, logical reasoning. There is something to say about just understanding it and specifically making predictions. I never made predictions with my previous uh, studies. And so when I came to the demon, I was like, what the heck is this? How do I do this? <laughs> like, I was like, so lost. And I, I kind of like ignored it for the first, like three, three, four, four weeks. I was with you guys. Cause I was like, ah, it doesn't really matter. No, no. If anyone's listening to this, do it. Like it helps so much, especially you have prediction mode on your dashboard now, which gives you the time to think about what you just read before you go into the question. And it helps you just identify what's wrong with, the, the stimulus, especially in logical reasoning, like yep. finding out what's wrong with it or how it's weak, how it's not uh, proven or all these problems before I went into the question, stop me from having ABC or B and C to pick between, like deciding between answers before mm -hmm. I would have like A and D open. I'm like, oh, which one's better? No, yeah. they're not. There's no better. There's no, it's which one's right. And this one is really wrong. Like, and yep. predicting helps you because you have an answer or something similar that you can like think about when you're reading answer choices and you can eliminate them easily. That's awesome. I think prediction mode is such a, um, a an awesome sort of like, hold on a second. Are you doing this? Pause. Think about it for a second. Have a complaint about the argument. Have make a prediction based on that. Super, super valuable. Um, uh, Fantastic. Fantastic advice. So we got worlds in prediction mode. I think those are two great recommendations. Um, do you have any more general advice towards uh, people who want to be you, who want to be in your position um, starting or, or next December? You know, people who are starting to ramp up their studies now or, or thinking about studying for the LSAT. What kind of general advice do you um, potentially have? Yeah. When I first started, I thought you had to study like full time. Like I was like, Oh, I'm going to study every single day for like five, six hours and make this my whole entire life. Right. And I did that for four months and it got me improvement, but I was burning out way too fast. Like, mm -hmm. and then I just stopped like no improvement. I, my, I couldn't think about what I was reading. I was just so tired and like, I didn't see my friends and all these things. So not making the also doesn't have to be your full-time job. Like 
you guys really preach just one hour studying a day. And I was so hesitant to take that on when I started with you, but actually I just started doing like, I only did two hours a day from June to September when I made that 10 point improvement. And that's it. Like just studying and actually focusing on the two hours intentionally and like being clear headed made all of that indifference. So that's just something I would really like to say is that you don't have to make the outside your full-time job and you can make astronomical improvements just from studying like one or two hours a day. Yeah. And and I just want to highlight how much, like how difficult it is to go from 159 to 169. Like you're clawing one more correct question, two more correct questions, and you can't miss all these kind of things. It's so much harder to go from 159 to 169 than I think it is to go from the 130s to, for instance, to the 150s. Like those journeys are vastly different in difficulty. And you did that by studying less because it allowed you to prioritize to make those two hours really count. It's quality over quantity. And you didn't burn out. You were avoiding the mental mush of just like shoving in more attempts, pulling the slot machine, so to speak. Super, super awesome. Great, great advice. I, I think that's, I, I want to highlight that. What did you do with your time since you uh, weren't studying full-time? I also worked through this entire process. So yeah, I I would just like, what I had surgery during fe- in February. So my first couple of months of studying, I didn't work. I was just studying full-time. But sure. then as soon as June hit, I studied, I worked all summer and just studied before work, after work, weekends, kind of literally whenever. Sometimes I wouldn't study for like five days. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that. It's not good (laughs) for me. But but like like thinking, I would go onto the demon and look at the questions. Like even if you wanted to do one LR question or like reading comp and I, reading comp was my worst section. So I knew that I had to prioritize it. So I did one reading comp passage every single day for like two months. Amazing. I, I had like just giving myself little goals and tasks to achieve. And so that, that they weren't super large and so that I knew I wouldn't fail at them really helped me. Just like that 15 minutes or 10 minutes of the reading comp passage every single day. And if I had time or if I wanted to do a full section or practice tests, then you do more. But in the end, just like those little things that I knew that I could accomplish was um, giving me satisfaction and giving me improvement at the same time. Yeah, I think... Uh, again, like that's just such sound advice. Someone who's in the one thirties doesn't wake up and go, I'm going to go to the one sixties, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, you got to go, okay, how do I get to one forty? Then how do I get to one forty-five? And so you get to those goals by doing one passage, not 10 tests. It's you're setting a comp uh, goals that you can accomplish that over the course of the time, get you that 35 point improvement which is just, again, astronomical and life-changing, but also you're doing those larger goals by setting the small, intermediate, and and those kind of things along your journey. Just such sage advice. So awesome. Okay. I got one last question for you. Uh, Do you know what kind of law you're interested in, uh, where you might want to go to school? Are you coming to the States for your studies? What do you think? So I am from Canada. Mm-hmm. So I'll, if I go to the States, I'll be an international student. So I applied to 
two Canadian schools because I don't really want to go here. <laughs> Just <for> okay. Backup. <laughs> sure. Um, I do want to come to the States. I want to pursue a clerkship. I, I have like a specific plan, but I want to pursue Great. a clerkship my first year out of uh, law school. Then awesome. I want to transfer into a prefer like a larger firm, like a big law firm. Work sure. um litigation patents, transactional. We'll see what I gravitate okay. towards, but that's the plan right now. We're We'll see if it changes, but you never know what you like when you get in there. Awesome. Well, if I can offer any advice to people who want to go the clerkship route, because I'm going to be clerking um, after I graduate, make sure, even though it kind of, no one is like, ooh, journal, man, I just want to do journal so badly. Um, uh, because journal for the most part is pretty tedious. It's not awesome, um, but it's really important it's not a requirement for every judge, but a lot of them do require it. And even if it's not blatantly required, it's like a, it looks kind of odd if you don't have that. Uh, so it, it might even be like a soft requirement. And so if there's one singular thing that can be particularly helpful in that respect, um, journal is a great one. And also judicial interning while you're in school working for a judge. What's a great way to work for another judge? Work for one that will then call your judges that you're interested in and be like, yeah, this person was great in my chambers. Loved them. Awesome. Cool. Uh, I, I can't, I can't wait to see how that turns out for you. I was just going to say, especially this whole process, like the demon specifically changed my law school. Like it changed everything because as an international student, I don't qualify for federal loans. So okay. I don't, I don't get, I don't get aid. Like, and okay. my like Canada doesn't give a uh, government aid for international schools in law school in the States. So sure. if I don't have a full ride, I have to save up 200 K. I don't know. Like I, there's just, there's not a lot of way for me to pay for it because my parents, my parents don't have that kind of funds right now. So sure. the demon like pretty much made me actually going to law school in the States possible with 159. I wouldn't have gotten the full rides at the schools I wanted to. Amazing. Well, I just want to uh, highlight one last thing, and that is uh, the demon didn't make anything possible. We well, maybe we made it possible. We showed we you the, the door. doors. Yeah, and there we go. We op- to 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 use that analogy. We opened the door. You were the one who walked through it. You were the one who did the work and improved again. Just phenomenal um uh 35 points i i want to congratulate you from all of us here at the demon that's truly awesome we hope you keep in touch we hope you let us know where you end up going and uh, uh you know right into the show let us know some updates after you hit 1l um any parting thoughts yeah just that if there's anyone struggling with like the mental like part of this i was really down on myself not thinking I was stuck in the one fifth, high one fifties for like three, four months. So you like, don't give up. Like you can do it, right? Like you just have to sit back and reevaluate and just set those little goals. And I think anyone can get there if they really want it. Awesome. To use the analogy that Ben and Nathan talked about on the thinking LSAT podcast that came out today, you need to be mouse number two. That's churning that butter into uh, uh, churning that milk that cream into butter. Um, and that was a reference that they were uh, talking about from uh, Catch Me If You Can, the awesome uh, movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. 
Okay. Well, awesome. Paige, thank you so much for coming on um, uh, the show. Thank you so much for your uh, sharing your journey and advice. Um, again, congratulations from all of us. Uh, you're a different candidate. You're going to go to different schools for different prices than was possible, even with your 159, let alone um, your initial score. Congratulations um, uh, and best of luck to you on your journey. Here we have an email from Saga. Saga says, Hi, Ben and Nathan. I've been studying with LSAT Demon for a couple months now, and Logic Games proved to be my strongest section. Since 2022 is coming to an end, I wanted to ask about LSAC's plan to remove Logic Games starting in 2023, according to Benno v. LSAC. They haven't released any statements on when exactly they're going to change the exam. I'm a little nervous since I'm planning to take it in June 2023. And I'm not sure if I'll have enough time to study this new section they're implementing in place of Logic Games. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Thanks, Saga. I have three thoughts. First, Go. they have not committed to a specific time. So this idea that it's going to happen in 2023 is a myth. It certainly could, but they haven't committed to it. So I suspect it will be several years before they actually change the games. Even if they do, Okay, idea number two, even if they do change the games, they have said on record that they will give us plenty of warning and sample questions so we know exactly what's coming. They did that with the June 2001, right, exam, I think that, or 2027, sorry, the June 2007 exam uh, when they changed reading comprehension and added comparative reading. They gave us a sample test and let us see what was coming before it came out. This is a much more significant change than that was. Much bigger because it's changing the whole section and they gave us a warning then. They're certainly going to give us a warning now and they've said that they will. Um, three, I don't think they're going to change it. Even if they do, they're going to give us a warning. And if they do change it and you have to take the new games, I think they're going to be easier. Yeah. And I would add four. <laughs> I think that any preparation that you do toward the current logic games it's going to be fun it's going to make you smarter it's going to help you in solving a variety of other puzzles coming down the road especially whatever they decide to replace the games with if they ever do we have the the only information that we really have is that one experimental section that they did recently right the one time in history where they have told the test takers that they were taking the experimental section <laughs> Because <laughs> they wanted to try out on them some logic games light type of bullshit. Mm -hmm. And what were those questions mostly? Essentially logical reasoning questions. Well, yeah, they were essentially logical reasoning questions. But didn't they have like a, a gamesy kind of a flavor? Like it yeah. was sort of like a mini logic game. Yep, exactly. The one that you could maybe do in your head more easily which I guess is the Binno versus LSAC thing is that like blind people are at a disadvantage because they can't use scratch paper, which I, <laughs> that's crazy to me that it seems like they're saying I can't solve these puzzles about ordering and grouping, which makes no sense to me. I don't see why blind people can't do that. I think they can. But anyway, if they change it, it might be changing it to be like, OK, instead of seven clowns, now there's three clowns. And instead of five rules, now there's two. And then they just, you know, red before blue, blue before green, which one must be true. 
And you have to infer that, let's see, red before blue, blue before green. Oh, so red before green. And then that's the, just the answer. I think that's basically what the replacement that they're testing. But yeah, headline will be shocked if it happens in 2023. If it does, you'll get you. You would have um, warning way earlier in 2023 than that official thing actually happened. So if you're trying to think like, well, I don't want to prep now because it's going to change before I take it in June 2023. It's probably not. And like you said, the prep you do will help you do better on these games. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hopefully that's helpful, Saga. We have an email from Anonymous here about a VA appeal. I'm a retired veteran using a VA job program called VR&E, previously known as Voc Rehab. I'm using this program because it's supposed to help veterans overcome disabilities while in the job search. If required, this job program will pay for education four years plus a one-year extension. I want to give some insight into the VA and this program. This information may help, help prepare other vets for the challenges they may face while navigating the program. On LSAT Demon Daily, episode 388, someone inquired if they could share their GI Bill with a family member. This is true, and if a vet is eligible for the VR&E program, they can use the job program to pay for school. However, the timeline is tight and you must constantly appeal decisions. I'm in the middle of a VA appeal involving my erroneously closed case, ADA issues, and a denied request for tutoring. And I assume that that means one-on-one -on -one tutoring. This program enforces a tight timeline, so I tested well before I was ready. That's a bummer. You know, they're, they're like forcing people into LSATs before they're ready. You know, they, they, they need to know that that's actually bad for their own people. The yeah. schools I've received acceptance to are regional schools, which I'm okay with attending. The problem is I've been requesting the VA to pay for tutoring from LSAT Demon since May, and they have recently denied my request. The reason is that they don't think I'm deficient at the test because I have been accepted into law schools. I will appeal this decision because of the flawed logic in the denial. I will also attempt to re-explain the LSAT scores correlation to first year grades and the first year grades correlation to jobs. I'm all ears if you guys have any other suggestions or data. The appeal will not reach completion until after my test in February. I'm going to attach screenshots of the actual denial. Please keep me anonymous. Feel free to inform other veterans as eventually this will turn into writing my congressman or senator, especially when the tutoring helps me achieve a higher score. Wow. So anonymous is like, boy, <laughs> doing battle with the VA. That's a serious uh, opponent. <laughs> Very well yeah. resourced opponent. Yeah. Um, so this is from the um, appeal. It is extremely lawyerly looking. Cites right off the top, USC section 3115 and 38 CFR section 21.294. <laughs> if you want to yeah. go look up the relevant statutes. And the, regulations. <laughs> yep. And regs. Um, the, the uh, I guess this is an administrative official who's making this decision. And they say, why did I make this decision? I made this decision based on the following reasons. On 11-04-22, you requested to extend your LSAT preparation until January 2023. 
take final LSAT at the conclusion of the prep and a and an LSAT tutor through LSAT Demon Live. Per your report, you were fully admitted into NC Central University and scored 151 on your November LSAT. Per M28CVA1.05E, quote, tutorial assistance may be provided if the VRC determines that assistance is needed to improve a climate's deficiency in a course of subject. End quote. According to Forbes.com, the median LSAT was 153. Based upon the above mentioned information, it is determined you do not have a deficiency in the course slash subject as you were accepted into law school. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I get it. They're trying to protect their funds. Yeah. But they they're missing the the big point here. Different law schools have different outcomes. Yeah. I boy, I can imagine, you know, I, I guess is there an advocate on the other side? I don't know. It's just this decision maker, right? Yeah. But does the VA, I mean, I maybe it's a VA attorney or something who is like filing a brief on the other side of this. Yeah. Saying, how can you be deficient if you were admitted to law school? Like anonymous calls that erroneous or flawed logic or whatever, but I don't know that it's like on its face, obviously flawed. Like, why is that flawed? You got in like, I'm not actually making the case. I'm just saying, from their perspective, the case that they're going to make is this program is designed to rehabilitate people who can't achieve the goals that they want to achieve. You already achieved the goal that you say you want to achieve. Yeah. So I'm on lawschooltransparency.com right now, and I'm looking at North Carolina Central University. That's the school that Anonymous mentioned, right? Yep. And the employment score is 35%. Wow. So there's the fact you want to cite in your appeal. Yeah. 17% went into public service, 2.3% went into national law firms, 0% went into federal clerkships, and 17% went into small law firms. That's less than half of the graduates went into their highlighted legal professions. Yeah. And nobody's making money because they're not going into big law or federal clerkships. Yeah. So you need to cite like, I want to go. I mean, even if it's not true, you could say. I need to get into I, I, I need I want to go to big law firm. I want this is my specific goal of big law and I can't do it at this school. It was a mistake of me. It was a mistake when I applied to this school. I would never go to that school because they can't get me to my career goals. Yep. My mistake. Also, look at the first time bar passage rate is. 67 well 68%. I mean I guess you have to just get above 75% in <laughs> for the ABA. The, 75% within <laughs> 2 years for the ABA. Within 2 years. So 68% yeah. on a first time is not bad actually probably. For a regional law school, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. But I would cite those employment statistics for sure. I might cite yeah. that first time bar passage rate especially if it's like way below the median or you know, you could craft an appeal that is going to cite a bunch of facts but I don't know. You need to you need to get them off of this because their case is simple. You got into law school, so you're not deficient. Yeah, you're you're two points behind their median. What what else do you want? You're already in. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. We got an email here from Agye. Hi. Please. I law student in Ghana 
and I would like to take the test, but I want to know if the score I could get scholarship to study in U.S. in one of the top law schools for a JD. I let I read that literally. You missed um, one word. You missed with. He said, but I want to know if with the score mm, I could get scholarship to study in U.S. in one of the top law schools for a JD. And yeah, right off the bat. Hi, please. I law student in Ghana. You want to answer Agye's question? Yeah. The easiest way to answer this question is to go to lsatdemon.com forward slash scholarships and start putting in scores that are close to what you've scored or what you think you can get and see whether you can get any scholarships with those scores. For GPA, though, that's going to be tough, right? He's an international applicant. Yeah. And we haven't figured out yet how to do the scholarship estimator for international students, I don't think. I mean, maybe put in a 3.0 and a 3.5 and a 4.0. Well, that might make a difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think what you should actually put in is your school's median. So that it has no effect. Right. Yeah, because international applicants, you're not going to have a GPA. You're only going to have an LSAT. So you are going to affect their LSAT numbers. You're not going to affect their GPA numbers. So I think the way to do it is, you know, if you're targeting UCLA, I think you need to look up what the median GPA is for UCLA, put that in along with your actual LSAT and then see what the chances are. Evidence has shown us that there's no discrimination against international students for uh, scholarship purposes, but it does put like all the eggs in the LSAT basket. Yeah. And then see what scholarships you can get at what schools. Based on this one sentence that you have written to us, Agye, um, you know, I, I think you're you're going <laughs> to the English part of this is going to be a huge challenge. But, you know, if you're killing it with a 170 something else at, then I'm not going to complain about your English anymore. Like that's that's not going to bother the schools. If you can score 170 something on the LSAT, then like you're you've got proficiency enough in the English language to compete at this level. I think it really depends what Agye means by top law schools. I mean, if you're talking about the top 14 or whatever, then, you know, I think it's going to be pretty clear, Agye, that to get a scholarship, you're going to need a 170 plus. And then it's just a matter of where you draw the line. Top law. I don't know. <laughs> like the schools that are, you know, 49th in the country love to talk about how they're a top 50 law school. But schools that are ranked 99th in the country love to talk about how they're a top 100 law school. So <laughs> 100 of 200 <laughs> law schools or 150 no, I mean, law schools. <laughs> every law school is a top law school in their own minds. Yep. So what does that actually mean? I, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, Agye, go to lsatdemon.com forward slash scholarships. And then, yeah, for GPA, I guess you just got to put in the median GPA at any school you're interested in. We got a, an email here from Nick, uh, Nick, Nico. Nico, hello. My question is, how do students survive while in law school? I know the message here is go to law school for free, but even so, how do students afford housing and food and every other cost that may come up? Do most students save money up before going or do the summer clerkships, internships pay enough for them to sustain themselves? Hope to hear back from you soon with gratitude and respect. 
I mean, rich kids get sponsored by their family. Mm -hmm. Uh, people who have been out in the working world for a while might have saved up some money or they might have a spouse who's working. But the ones that really make me afraid are, you know, especially the black and brown and first generation applicants who think that they're getting into like the gravy train when they apply to law school, because not only do they borrow tuition, but they also borrow living expenses for the entire three years of law school. I mean, that's just part of the total cost of attendance. They give you an estimated, yeah. oh, based on your zip code or whatever, zip code of the school, probably, they then estimate a cost of living. And that's all part of your loan package, which they call, annoyingly, you just they call it financial aid, right? But really what it is, is a huge ass loan. Yeah. And that's how people end up, you know, the tuition might be $60,000 a year, but they borrow $90,000 a year and graduate with $300,000 of debt because they were paying their rent and their car payment and their car insurance and their grocery bill and clothes and internet and phone and everything from their student loans. Yeah. I mean, this is why we're so adamant about telling people to go for free because even when you go for free, you still have substantial costs. You have the cost of living, you have your time. Going for free is the bare minimum. It's the it's the requirement, but it doesn't mean you now are like totally in the clear. There are not always, but sometimes there are lucrative summer opportunities. There are clerkships and internships at big law firms that can pay a lot of money. Although even that dries up sometimes, you know, when we and go into recession after your first year, it's after, right? right? So yeah. you're not getting that money for the first it's year. It's two summers. It's your first and yeah. second summer. So it's the summers in between your, your years of law school. And yeah, you could make law firm salaries for 10 weeks during the summer. It's a total of 20 weeks worth of law firm salaries. You know, if a law firm salary is um, over a hundred grand, then yeah, you know, maybe you're making 40, 50, $60,000 combined from these two summers. And that certainly does help. But again, mm-hmm. that's only available to people who are going on the big law route. Like you, you have to have gone to a school that hires big law. You have to have done well enough during your first year to get those on-campus interviews so that you can go get those first year, second year internships. <laughs> and even those dry up in a recession, which we are arguably heading into a recession right now. I mean, we just jacked up interest rates a whole bunch of times. They're trying to slow down the economy. That has a way of causing a recession. And, you know, if we get to that point, I mean, we know tech firms are laying people off, right? Well, in previous recessions, we've seen tech firms lay a bunch of people off. Law firms then end up following three years later yeah, or whatever it is, one, two, three, yeah. four years later, the, the law firm recession kind of follows the overall economy recession. So it's totally possible that you could end up in law school during a time where summers just don't get paid. Cause why would they, they're laying off first, second year associates. Why the hell would they bring in summers yep. to, to pay them? You know, you'll be we begging for an unwork. Yeah. You'll, you'll be begging for an unpaid internship. That's how it was when I was in law school. Yeah. So who knows, Nick? Um, Yeah. Be careful. Don't pay tuition. 
maybe save up some money so you don't have to borrow so much money for housing and food and all those other things. Yeah. And watch out for the fees too, because you can get a full ride and some schools are charging you $5,000 in fees. That's not unreasonable. That's fairly common. Um, most schools, it's a few hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars, but yep. still that's, that's a big chunk of change just to turn around and think, oh wait, I got a full ride. Yeah, but you got to pay us these fees. Yep. Email daily at lsatdemon.com if you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.